Why don't you turn with me again to Scripture that we've been looking at all through the week. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16. You know, we need to be sensitive, and this is always my endeavor. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what He wants to do. I believe in running and shouting and dancing. I believe in healing and ministry lines and casting out and imparting in. And uh, There's many, many ways the Spirit of God manifests and moves, but we need to discern what He wants to do in a particular service, in a particular set of meetings, set of services. And uh, we have uh, stayed strong in the teaching on these Meetings, and I believe it has been and is right. Amen. Because uh, it's not how high you jump while you're in church, it's uh, how much power you walk out with. Amen. And able to maintain and be consistent in, in your daily walk. And it's real victory. I know people that make a lot of noise, but man, you get them off to the side and their life's a mess. They, they, they don't have victory. And... Uh, I'm interested not just in things that sound nice that you could frame and hang on the wall, but things that work on Monday morning. Amen. That work in the time of trial and crisis and the true word of God always works for everybody all the time. You know, ministers, let me give you a word of advice. Uh, years ago, I, I saw this and I began to embrace it and, and it, it, it is so in my life. I, re, I refuse to say or believe anything else. I've said this in private, and I'll just share this with you for your benefit. Uh, the Lord gives me absolutely first quality stuff. He doesn't have any other kind, but I mean, the, the, you need to say this over yourself, ministers, everybody that's teaching and preaching. The things he gives me are not inferior in quality to anything anybody else has ever taught or preached. Did you hear me? Now, you know, you know, normally you wouldn't hear me say this in a public place, but I'm saying this for ministers' benefit. You say things like this. Because a lot of people, they have lurking in the back of their mind that the things that they get are in some way substandard to other ministers. And uh, that there ought not be any of that in your thinking. God gives good quality things. Amen? And the reason I say it is because your mentality will affect how you present it. And how you present it will affect how people receive it. And how they receive it will affect what benefit they get out of it. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. For the measure that you meet to it, that's going to determine what you get out of it. Paul said to the saints at Thessalonica, he said, when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the words of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which worketh effectually also in you that believe. He said, it's working in you. It's producing results. Why? Because when you heard it, you sat there and thought, my, that's not just Paul talking. That's the word of God. Amen. And because they received it that way, it was producing in them. So, ministers, when you present what God has given you, never make an apology. Did you hear me? Never act like it's substandard to some other minister's teaching or preaching or any of those things because to do so is to misrepresent uh, your Lord who gives it to you. He gives you quality material. Amen? Quality. And you hold it up like that. 
You esteem it. I mean, your people, uh, pastors, your people's not going to esteem it any higher than you do. I've seen people get up and just apologize half the time for what they're about to preach and teach. Well, I know y'all all know this, and this is just a little simple stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and share. Well, you're, you are not doing it justice. The Word of God is life-changing. Amen? Life-changing. And these truths that we've been seeing in the Word of God, they are tremendous truths. I'm telling you, they are tremendous Life-changing truths. And the Lord had said that to me about these meetings, that lives would be changed. He's talking about permanently. Coming up to a different place and staying there, operating on a higher plane. Matthew 16, are you there? That's the message about the message. Matthew 16, are you there? Jesus said in verse 13 to his disciples, Whom... Do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say this, some say the other. He said, verse 15, whom say you that I am? Verse 16, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a tremendous uh, confession. Everybody say this out loud. Say, say that phrase. You are the Christ... The Son of the living God. Say it one more time. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It'll help you to say it again. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of the, the Christ, and the revelation of the Christ, the Son of God, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. wonder if that's significant. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We have called these series of teachings uh, by the title of In Your Power. In Your Power power. The Lord has given us the keys to the kingdom. Keys denote entrance and access to and use of and control of. If you got the keys to the car, you can control the car. Right? You can use the car. Get in the car. You got the keys to the house, you've got entrance into, access to and control. Of the rooms and the doors and, and of that which the key goes to. He's not just given us the keys to the house or the car. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom shall never end. This is an eternal kingdom. All the kingdoms of the earth are limited and will come to an end. But this kingdom endures forever. And you, yes you, and I have been given the keys. 
Now, the thought that the Lord's, you know, this kept, just kept coming up in my, in my spirit, this phrase, in your power. In your power. In your power. And I realize the Lord's saying about the things He has placed within our power. Within our control. And I begin to see and be reminded of how the devil has lied, how the devil has deceived the church for centuries into thinking that everything is in God's power. Everything is in God's control. And then you got some people that are believing if it's not in God's control, well, it's in the devil's control. But few people that are believing that a whole lot is in my control. And people like, through the, through the deception and the nature of the flesh, they like what I call no-fault religion. That is, no matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Which is another way of saying, it's not in my power. It's not in my control. And it is through this principle lie, lie and deception that the enemy is keeping people in bondage. Because if you don't think you have any power over to control, then you're not even going to try to change it. You're not even going to try to do anything about it. But Jesus is our example. Amen? And as he walked the earth, he did not walk and represent a helpless pawn or a victim. He walked in authority. You remember that? Remember the gospel accounts about how that, I mean, as soon as Jesus came out from the wilderness temptation, the Bible said he came out in the power of the Spirit, and he spoke in the synagogues, and the people remarked, they said, man, he speaks with authority. He speaks like he's got some control. And he did. I said, and he did. When demons spoke up, he was, he believed, and it was in his power to make them shut up and stop, and leave and get out. And so he commanded them to, and they obeyed him. When the storm arose, he believed it was in his power to calm the storm. And so he did. Amen. He spoke to fevers, and they obeyed him. To demons, and they did what he said. To the elements of nature, and it obeyed him. It was in his power. Now the big mistake that people make is they say, yeah, but Brother Keith, that was Jesus. That was the Son of God. He could do that. And then this line right under that is, you're not Jesus and you can't. But the truth is that Jesus emptied himself, Philippians tells us. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory as God and became like other men. That's why he had to be anointed. I understand the anointer doesn't need to be anointed. But Jesus, because he had laid aside his power and, 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 and might and ability as God, he had to be anointed. And he operated in the earth with no unfair advantage over us. Anything he did, you can do. That's not my idea. That's John. Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that anything Jesus did, you can do? Most Christians do not believe that. But it's Bible. I said it's Bible, and we need to make up our mind, do we believe this or not? Jesus calmed storms. Could you? Huh? Four people think so. I'm telling you, this, this is going to make all the difference whether you are, whether you place a doormat 
to, to the enemy and his, his cohorts in the world or whether you rise up and begin to rule and reign and begin to use authority and change things. I'm telling you, friend, Jesus lived. Now, when it comes to him being our sinless substitute, nobody's in that category. Nobody could do that. But when it comes to his life and ministry, he set that up as an example for us to follow. Amen. You can pray like he prayed. You can walk in fellowship with the Father like he did. You can exercise authority over the enemy like he did. Over sickness, over disease, like he did. But first, you've got to believe that it is in your power. We started out with some of the basics here. First, we talked about that your mind is in your power. Before you go out to change the world, you better just start right here at home. Amen. <laughs> I'm serious. And realize that your mind is your mind and you don't have to think on anything you don't want to think on. And you can focus and concentrate on what you want to. It's your mind. It is in your power. If you don't control it, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have all manner of problems in your life. Everybody said out loud, my mind is my mind. It is in my power. It is in my control. But see, understand, friend, God's not going to control your mind for you. He's not. And the devil can't make you think on things you don't want to. I don't never believe that lie. I've had people tell me crying. I, well, I, I don't want to think about it, but I can't help it. That's a lie. That's a lie. That is not true. Never believe such a thing. Say it out loud. My mind, my mind. is my mind. my mind. I will maintain full control of all my faculties as long as I live. I will never become weak minded. I will never lose my mind. Amen. So if some of you are concerned that there's a history of mental problems in your family and that might happen to you sometime, forget about it. Say it out loud again. It'll never happen to me. Never. Amen. And we begin to talk about your soul is your soul. It is in your power, your feelings. Your emotions. You don't have to yield to everything you feel. You can feel mad and act glad. <laughs> you can feel sad and act happy. You can feel like you hate somebody and you can act like you love them. Amen. And that's not being a hypocrite. That's walking in the spirit. The Bible said, be ye angry and what? That means you're in control. These people that talk about, well, I just got so mad, I couldn't help it. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. You are, I mean, if, if it's not your emotions, whose is it? If you're not in control, who is? No, don't believe lies. It's your soul. It's your emotions. It's your feelings. Everybody say, I'm in control of my soul, my feelings, my emotions. I yield to the ones I want to. I don't yield to the ones I don't want to. I'm in control. And we talked about last night in some detail that we're in, that it is within our power, it is in our, our control concerning our body. This body is the body God has given you, and He's not going to control it for you. You must take control of it. The Apostle Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Amen? He's saying He had to do something with it. 
And uh, you need to understand, don't believe lies. We talked about confession and about ruling with words, about how people make such terrible confessions about, you know, well, I guess I'm just getting older, you know. I'm this such and such age. And, you know, I guess you just expect, you know, to lose this and to lose that and lose control of this and lose control of that. No, you don't have to. I said you don't have to. Sure, you're going to age, you're going to get a new wrinkle, you're, you're going to have some more gray hair, but I'm telling you, you can be strong and your body can serve you well and fully all your days. Amen. I've had people tell me, you know, ministers that should know better, that, that have a weight problem and tell me, you know, well, you know, it's my metabolism. It's just so slow. I don't, my, I, you know, my doctor said it was slow and I think it's the slowest metabolism of anybody I know. Well, well how would you know? That. But besides that, metabolisms can change. But with your words working against you, He's given us the power to bind and loose. But so many people are binding their self and loosing the enemy in their life. Big mistake. Stop that. Talk good over yourself. Speak words of life. Amen? Let the weak say what? I am strong. So any part of your body that is not working 100%, don't confirm it and decree as the king of your life it's weak that's my weak knee that's my tennis elbow that's my bum knee don't say such stuff you're binding yourself you're limiting yourself talk good over yourself even if it's causing you problems call those things which be not as though they were put the word on it amen decree it say organs I speak to you lungs I speak to you ear I speak to you I behold be straight be strong be normal Amen? Decree it. It is in your power. I said it is in your power. Now finally this evening, as the Lord would help us, uh, I want us to talk about another area that's in your power. And it has to do with money. You can't just leave it up to God. Many have tried to do this throughout the years. Well, Lord, just whatever you want. If you want to bless me, okay. If you want me to just be poor, whatever you want, okay. And it's like all these other people try to do that with their healing. They try to do that with their body. Well, Lord, I'm just going to give my mind to you. Lord, just, just, you, you just control it from, it's not going to happen. You cannot give to him and put in his control what he's given you to control. He'll guide you, but you've got to take the responsibility of it. And many people would like to believe that how blessed I am, how increased I am, how prosperous I am is up to God. But that is not so. He's left so much of it up to us. Did you hear me? People like to believe this because it comes back to this no-fault religion. That if I'm lacking, that if I'm behind and I'm doing without, God has just seen fit to put me in this station in life. It is just my lot in life. I mean, do you understand how many millions, probably billions of people on this planet believe some form of that, Christian or no, that God or their particular deity had just seen fit to put me in this lot of life. God made me, or their deity made me a beggar. And it is God's will. But there is but one true God. Amen? And God, in His wisdom... And in his kindness and in his fairness. You understand God is not a father who plays favorites. 
Absolutely not. Some people think so. They, th- they see some ministers and some churches and some Christians and how blessed and all the stuff they've got. And in their mind, they might not say it, but they think, well, man, you know, it seems like they got all the blessings. They don't need all that. And it seems like that the, 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 the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, there's a scripture that says to him that hath shall more be given. Well, so that ain't fair. It's very fair. I said it's very fair. They don't come any fairer than God. God is fairness and justice personified. Amen? And to, in order to be fair, He has not just predestined us and in, in limitations, but He's predestined all of us to glory. Amen? And He's left it up to us. Can you say amen? Now I want you to go with me to two places. Go with me to Philippians 4. And Psalm 78. Philippians 4. Psalm 78. Philippians 4. Are you there? Philippians 4. Fourth chapter. You got any scriptures marked in your Bible in the fourth chapter? Of Philippians? Yeah, that's good. Philippians 4. 14. He says, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Do you know that God calls lack affliction? He didn't want you to be afflicted. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Now, it's an interesting thing here, and I've seen this more and more. Not everyone obeys God when it comes to finances or any other area. In fact, a lot of people do not obey Him. And the reason I say that is because it is very important for you to obey Him. There are numerous cases where you may be the only one. Did you see this? What did He say? Did you read it? You only. Is that the only church He had? Is that the only people he had ministered to? Is that the only people that called him a father in the faith? Well, then why weren't they ministering? You think God didn't deal with anybody else? They were the only ones. What if they hadn't obeyed? Because see, so many times in offerings and in every other thing, people get to thinking, well, there's a lot of people here, you know. Uh, I'm sure they'll have plenty. And oftentimes don't do what the Lord deals with them to do. But all you need to ask yourself is, what if everybody did what I did? How would we be doing? Huh? Well, it's gotten quiet in here and I, I just got started with this. And just ask yourself that as you go along. You know, what if everybody obeyed like I obeyed and did what I did? How would the churches be going? How would the work of God be going? I, I Something that's really begun to drive this home to me. Uh, you'll see that the Lord winds up using the same people over and over in, in situations. To do so. And, and you might think, why? It's because others are not obeying. There are numerous times when the one that God uses is his third or fourth or fifth or ninth choice. He's gone through several other people that didn't obey him and it got down to the wire and he needed it done right now. So he goes back to the same one that he knows will obey him. And they get extra blessings. I know a friend of mine called one time and he was believing, a minister friend, he was believing for a thing with a house. And he was standing and standing and standing and he, it just, it needed to happen last week. 
He was in that situation and he called me, just wanted me to stand with him. He wasn't asking me for anything. He just wanted me to stand with him. And I could, you can tell if people are kind of dropping a hint or not. And he wasn't. And I just, I said, yeah, absolutely, brother. I'll stand with you. I believe with you on it. And so I'm, I'm prayed a prayer with him. And after I hung up the phone, uh, I was actually trying to rest, vacation a little bit. And I said, Lord, you know, you want me to do anything on that? Uh, you know, anytime you find out about something, you ought to just at least check your heart. Lord, do you want me to do anything on that? Don't be led by sad stories. Don't be led by needs. Did you hear me? Be led by the Holy Spirit. That means there will be times when you'll give to people that don't look like they need it. And other times that you won't give to people that look like they need it. Did you get that? Don't be led by what you see. Don't be led by what the, the stories you hear. Be led by the Spirit of God. He knows. And so the Lord dealt with me. No, I'm dealing with somebody else. I'm already dealing with somebody else strongly on that. Well, only a day or two passed. And I got up that, you know, that morning. Wasn't even thinking about it. And the Lord prompted me. He said, wire him the money today, this morning. And I just kind of sat down because it was substantial. It was about all I had in the account. <laughs> Multiple tens of thousands. And uh, I kind of sat down and I said, well, uh, Lord, I know that's you. Uh, I thought you said that you were dealing with somebody else. I mean, if you want me to do this, fine. Okay, but I, I don't understand. I thought you said you're dealing with somebody else. He said, I was. But they're not obeying me, and they're not going to obey me quick enough. And, and he, he's believing me. I have an obligation to him. You just do it, and I'll bless you. And uh, I did, and it virtually cleaned out my account. But I felt so good that day, because it was as though the Lord had said to me in so many words, if I need something done, and I need it done now, I can call on you. Amen. And within the ability that I had... That made me feel good. What I'm saying is, obey God. You don't, don't think there's 12 people, you know, that, that, that's jumping over you to do it. A lot of people don't obey God. Or if they do, they're so slow about it. And when you're standing believing God for something, when do you want somebody to obey? You want them to take their precious time about it? And well, then that's the way you sow. Sow in the manner in which you want to reap. Well, he said, you know, you were the only ones. And he finally gets down to verse 19. And he, because they had given to him repeatedly, he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many have heard that verse before? How many know all there is to know about that verse? Nobody. <laughs> you don't know half of what's in there. <laughs> no, you don't. There's a, I'm telling you, there's a problem, there's a danger in hearing something a lot. You get to thinking you know it. You think you know it. And that will close you to further revelation. I want us to, to look at this verse a, a little more carefully, in particular phrase here tonight. My God, not just God, my God, shall supply all your need. How's he going to do it? Huh? But my God shall supply all your needs according to your investments. 
by God to supply all your needs according to the government. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because even though a lot of Christians jump and shout about this verse, what I'm saying to you is what they really believe. They say this, but they really, in, in action, they believe the other, that my God will supply all my needs according to my job. My God will supply all my needs according to mom and daddy. Or any number of things, but they don't really believe this, according to his riches in glory. Now, I could meet a need of yours according to my resources, but God meets your needs how? According to his resources, and oh, does he have resources. His resources are unlimited. Unlimited. And they are unrestricted by economic change or government change or company change or, you know, inflation or any of these things that's unaffected by that. And we need to remember that anytime we go to believe for a thing, we ought not even consider these other things because he's not meeting our needs according to the economy. Or our job or the company or any of these things. He's meeting our needs, all of our needs, according to his vast, unlimited resources, riches in glory. God can move billions and not pick up a phone. I'm telling you he can. We, we haven't touched what he can do financially. But then what, what is the, what is the, the situation? What is the limiter? Go with me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Now this 78th Psalm is, is lengthy. 72 verses. And there are numerous references throughout this Psalm to the Israelites, God's first covenant people, and how that they kept forgetting what God had done for them. That's one of uh, human mankind's greatest weaknesses, is their forgetfulness. That's why the Lord says, you know, in the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's, it's, it's something that we need to exercise ourselves to remind ourselves of what God has done, what God can do. Keep it in front of you. If you don't, you'll forget. But he, he kept, you know, t- talking about they forgot. I mean, the miracles that he did. In getting them out of Egyptian bondage, the miracles and feeding them and, and the, the, the manna from heaven, the water out of the rock. I mean, they're seeing miracles every day. But in verse 40, well, excuse me, excuse me, back up to verse 19. They spoke against God. And they said, now listen, how many are saying it'd be a bad thing to speak against God? But I don't think they were thinking, now, I'm just going to open my mouth and speak against God right now. They weren't thinking that. This is what they said, though. This is what God calls speaking against him. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God do that in this church? They weren't even just saying, can God do it? They were saying, can he do it here? 
Behold, he smote the rock and the waters did gush out and the streams overflowed. But can he give us bread? Can he provide flesh for his people? And the Lord heard it and was wroth. How many understand that's bad when the Lord is wroth? That's not good. And a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger came up against Israel. This makes God mad. Not just a little bit wroth. This makes him upset. This kind of talk. What kind of talk? This can God do it stuff. I would suspect God's got angry about a lot of board meetings. In fact, I know he has. I mean, I understand God never changes. He is exactly the same today as he was then about this. He never changes. Our covenant has changed. Our access to him, thank God, has changed. He has not changed. His will, his way. And it, I mean, it made him hot. That after all he had done, getting them out of slavery, saving their life when all the firstborn of the Egyptians died, All those plagues that swept the land. He kept them and spared them and protected them. Brought them through. Split the Red Sea for them. They're seeing the glory cloud every day. And glory fire every night. And then they sashay out there and they go, I don't know. Can God do that out here? I just don't know. And God said, that makes me mad. I don't want God angry. I want him happy with me. I want to say things that make him smile. Don't you? Well, if that made him angry, wonder what would make him smile. If they'd have looked up and said, God, you did this. You did the other. I know you can do this. I got no doubts. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. You can do it. That, that, that's such a big part of faith. It sounds so simplistic, but it's such a big part of faith. When you look at something, and though the number figure may be this long, you just go, God can do that. And you don't let it become a trite thing, light thing with you, but you say it soberly. God can do that. And He can do that for me. I tell you, I'm getting excited in my spirit right now. Because I know people in this room, your life's going to be changed tonight. Something's going to happen in you. A limitation is going to be broken. You're going to be able to believe for some things that you never would have been able to believe for. Except God did this in you and you got this word. Hallelujah. And a lot of good and wonderful things that you've already heard. It's just going to click for you. And it's going to come together. Hallelujah. And what you had never even thought about happening for you, you're going to lift up your eyes. You're going to say, God can do that for me. Ha. Whoo, you sense that? That's faith. That's faith. It comes from the Word of God. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. The Scripture says God was wroth. Anger came up. Verse 22, because they believed not in God and they trusted not in his salvation. Let me just keep reading. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven 
And he rained down manna upon them to eat. And had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels food. How many understand that bread did not come from the grocery? Or the corner bakery. It came from heaven. Angel food. And we're not talking about this little cake you saw at the grocery store. Real food that angels eat. They're eating it. Do you understand? You can become callous to anything. They're, they're eating a miracle. Every day, food falls out of the sky. You go out and pick it up, and after a while of that, they're going, I'm tired of this old man all the time. And he, he caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power, he brought in the south wind, and he rained flesh upon them as dust and feathered fowl as the sand of the sea. Flew in fresh quail before there were airplanes. Yes, he did. God is the master at providing from unexpected and unlikely channels. The master. You wouldn't think of eating every day by the Blackbird Express like Elijah did. You wouldn't think that when you need tax money, you go fishing. That you, you don't think like that, but God does. And God, God he's got to be laughing about some of this. He does some of these things just to show you, look, I got ways. Don't you worry your little head about how I'm going to do it. I got ways. I can use fish. I can use birds. I can use wind. I can use donkeys. Five, two, I use people. But I got ways. I'm going to say God has got ways. And most of the time, it's not going to come like you thought it would. He does it on purpose that way. He gets the glory, keeps you on your toes, keeps you awake. Most of the time, when it's like you believe God for something and it happens, you cannot say at the end of it, yeah, I knew that. I knew it's going to come just like that. I knew God, how, who he's going to use, what he's going to No, most of the time you're going, wow, I'd have never thought of that. So since that's the way it is, no need. You're trying to figure it out before it starts. Just leave it to him. Know that he'll come by it honest. And he'll get it the right way. Amen. But know that he has ways. I know a pastor friend of mine in the States. It was a lady in his church that uh, was, you know... In a kind of a bad way financially. Single mom and her daughter was about to get married. And they just had no money at all for a wedding or anything. And they were about to be put out in the street several times. He paid the rent. Paid some things for them. Called them up. And he just, the Lord led him to help with this situation. So that this young uh, woman had a decent wedding. And so he put he put in some money. And uh, they had a nice little wedding. They were so happy. And a few months after that, this uh, lady came to him. I mean, she's living in the lowest of uh, places. And she came to him and said, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know that I'm getting, uh, what was it, three million? Three million dollar something was coming to her in a few days. And, uh, of course, my tithe and offer is going to be there. And I'm going to have something for you, too. And at first he thought... <laughs> 
Three million? Where are you going to get three million from? Sure enough, in a few weeks, here she comes marching into church with tithe off of this and a good offering. And I forget, was fifty hundred thousand dollars for him personally? He'd have never thought it. He come, he said, I'd have never thought it. You know, a little thought right under that. You ought to be nice to everybody. Because <laughs> you just don't know. You know, people get their eyes sometimes on individuals that they know have money or that maybe everybody knows they got money. I've had people tell me about churches. Oh, man, you know, they got several millionaires over there in that church. You ought to go over there. And I told them, I said, look, just because they got money don't mean they're going to give you any of it. <laughs> Besides that, you can't think like that or, or be led by that stuff. I mean, uh, a lot of times, you know, I've seen a lot of people that had money that were just stingy and tight and, and other people that didn't have much so free hearted and such givers. So you just needn't look at all that. Just forget about that. And know that God has ways. I said he has ways. The scripture said that even though God had done all of this for them in verse 32. For all this they sinned still and believed not his wondrous works. They would stand out there and say things like that. Can God do it here? And in verse 40 it says how often did they provoke him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. It was in their power to, to allow and loose God to work on their behalf. But instead, they bound and limited. And the thing is, people are doing this every day. Good Christian people are limiting God and not even realizing it. But they're limiting Him and what He's able to do. With, with thinking like this, can God do that? Can God do that here? But yeah, but we're, we're not very big. Yeah, but I, I don't know much. Yeah, but we hadn't been going very long. And there's always plenty of reasons why. That can't happen for you or it can't happen yet. And the enemy wants you to relegate everything so far in the future. And when you get there, you push it on further and you just never get to it. You never get to the place where you're believing it can happen for me now. And if God can't get that vision inside you, then he can't do it for you. Legally, he cannot. You've got to believe him for it. Amen. If he just went around doing things for everybody, whether they're believing him or not, then everybody would be blessed on the planet right now. If he was moved by needs, miracles, if he was moved by desire, people wanting things, miracles would be happening now because there are people want things. And there's people need things. But listen, God is not moved by needs. God is not even moved just by you wanting something. you got to believe him. I said you've got to believe him. God honors faith. He honors faith. And the challenge that I have seen in our own life, well, let me back up a little bit. A number of years ago, as I was beginning to get a hold of some of these principles in a time of prayer, I asked the Lord this question because I was looking at some things financially. I said, Lord, what should I believe you for? How much should I believe you for? And I was very surprised at his reply. Now, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but I knew distinctly inside me. He communed with me, caused me to know. 
How many remember Romans 8 says the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children and the sons of God. Well, if He can cause you to know you're a child of God, He can cause you to know something else. And He wants to commune with us like this all the time. Don't try to hear voices. Don't try to feel things. Don't try to hear words in your mind. But if you'll get quiet and, and focus on Him, you'll just know some things inside. And that's God talking to you. And it'll always be in line with His Word. Always. And uh, he spoke to my heart and he said, uh, he said, Keith, it's not up to me. I'm talking about things in your power now. I thought, not up to you. Because I'm asking him, how much should I believe for? He said, it's not up to me. And he said this, I never forgot. It. He said, son, I could make you a multi-billionaire before the sun sets today. Could he do it? How many believe he could do it? Is it within his, his ability if we believe God? Does he have that kind of contacts and resources? He told me that. He said, he said, it's not up to me, son. He said, I could make you a multi-billionaire before the sun sets today. He said, but it's not up to what I can do. It's according to your faith. According to what you can believe. Somebody said, well, I wish he'd do that for me. It don't come by wishing. It's not according to what God can do. It's according to what you can believe. Can you see that it's not just up to Him? So I had to come back to this. What can I genuinely believe? Now, anybody can get down and ask for the sun, moon, and stars, but that don't mean that you really confidently expect that to happen. So don't kid yourself. Don't play games with yourself. Don't try to act like you're at a level of faith that you're not. You'll only hurt yourself. I'm just saying you can always go up. Amen. I know some of the folks, you know, Phyllis and I started believing in our ministry for partners. The Lord told us, first of all, be good partners to other people. And so we're partners to, to numerous ministries. In fact, uh, at least 20% gross of all that goes into us goes to other ministries. Personally and ministerially. And so we, we've been pumping into other. But he said, now you need to claim partners. Don't tell God who, but claim. Well, all we had faith for in the beginning was what? 50, 25. <laughs> Brother Hagen was claiming 50,000. Let's <laughs> see, how many say it do me no good to try to play big shot? Brother Hagen's been doing this for 66 years. At that time, I'd been doing it for just a few years. And so I, no need me jumping up and claiming, I'm going to claim 50,000. I'm going to act big, you know. No, it's not what you say, it's what you believe and say. I said, well, you can have what you say. No, if you just say it like that, that's not true. That's not what that verse said. It said, if you will say and not doubt in your heart, but believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. Not just saying. You've got to really believe it. You've got to really believe it. And that means you're confidently expecting it to come to pass in your life. So we claim 25. Well, it wasn't too long. We had about 17 or so. Don't, don't wait till you get to the end of it before you claim some more. Always stay ahead of yourself in prayer and in faith. And so we, I mean, the numbers just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the Lord's blessed us and helped us and joined many, many to us. You know, from 50 to 100 to 1,000, 10,000 and on up. But, uh, you know, Brother, Brother Hagen, one time he, he was talking about that he was believing God for $2 million, a one-time offering. 
and I was there when the checks came in. And in the speaker's room later that day, he was talking about it. How that he first believed God for a certain amount, then he believed God for 10,000, then he jumped, believed God for bigger, then he believed God for one time of one million, and then he was believing God for one time of two million. And after he said all that and testified, I walked out of the room, outside the building to my car, and the Lord said, what are you believing for? Well, I really wouldn't. You know, you just, you see, without, without thinking, I don't care who you are, you're just kind of leaving it up to God. Mistake. Because he's left it up to us. I said, because he's left it up to us. Never, it's a little bit quiet on this, but I'm telling you, let this sink in, let it soak it. Well, I just, you know, whatever God wants from me, you can't do that successfully. It's not going to work. It's not up to him. He's put it within your power. It's up to you. How much can you believe for? How much are you willing to sow? How much are you willing to claim? He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Is that right? Well, then is it all up to him? He's put it within our hands. And sowing is a big part of it, but it's not just sowing. You can sow beyond your faith to reap. Now, that's a whole other teaching, but did you hear that phrase? I said, you can sow beyond your faith to reap. A lot of folk have sown and sown and sown, and they haven't seen the results because they're just waiting for it to happen automatically when God has put it in our power. Let me just throw this out to you. Think about it. Is reaping automatic? That when you sow, you just automatically reap. Is it? We're given the natural example to teach us about the spiritual. In the natural, when you sow seed, do you automatically reap? No, you don't. If you sow seed and God blesses your crop, He rains on it, the sun shines on it. You, the seed does not get in the ground by itself. If you don't sow it, it ain't going to get in there. God doesn't sow it for you. you got to sow it. But now once you get the seed in the ground, God does some things. Amen. Here it comes. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And it comes up. You don't know how. You don't have to know how. God multiplies. But then when you've got a full harvest sitting there in the field, does it march out of the field into your barn by itself? Huh? Then why do we think it's that way spiritually? Why do we think it all just happens automatically? Now, I'm telling you, our ability to believe God for things is a big determiner in how much of our harvest is reaped in. I got you thinking now. But God, it's not just all up to God. The limiting factor, I'm going to have to show you some scripture on that. I see that. Go with me to Mark 4. They limited the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to do that. Do we? And do you understand that if things are not happening in the full blessing of God that they should, it's not God's fault. It's got to be with us somewhere. And any time that you think you're just sitting around waiting for God to do it, and it goes on month after month, and year after year, and even decade after decade and doesn't happen, you might get a clue. Am I really waiting on God, or is He waiting on me for something? Huh? So many times, that's the case. Folk think they're waiting on God, and really, He's waiting on us. 
They think it's up to him and really it's up to us. They think it's just in all up to him and his control and power and he has put it in our power. In Mark 4, are you there? Mark the fourth chapter, verse 26. He gave us the keys to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and he's telling us this is how the kingdom works. Mark 4.26, he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up, he knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he... Circle that word or underline it or just mark it in your mind or whatever. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Let me ask you the question. Who sows the seed? The man does. We do. Who makes it grow and and, and multiply? God does. Who puts in the sickle? We do. That's the way it happens in the natural. That's the example he's given us. Why would we think it happens differently spiritually? No, it's not enough just to sow and then just leave it up to God. When you need something or when you want something, you need to lay hold of it with your faith. You need to claim it. Amen? And believe. And how much you can reap in and how much you can harvest in depends on your vision and your faith. Y'all are quiet this evening. This is good news though. Because it will answer a number of questions as to why things had not been happening. And at least to the degree and multitude. Because I've had people tell me, well, man, I've been tithed and I've tithed for years. And I've given and given and given. And they're kind of aggravated. Well, why isn't more happening for me? Well, see, you think it's up to God. You think you're waiting on Him. And He's put it in your power. I said He's put it in your power. I know that I've begun to see now, having understood a few of these things... That when it comes to our ministry, and it comes to the tools of the ministry, buildings, lands, equipment, etc., etc., that God wants me to have the best of the best, and plenty of it. In fact, he said this to me one time. It's etched in my spirit. He said, Keith, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care. But you don't care? He said, I don't care. He said, understand this example, and then multiply it many fold. He said, what if a man who's a multi-billionaire, he calls you in, you were doing, you were at a profession, and he says, I want this job done, and I don't care what it costs. Spend any, I don't care what you spend on it, I'm telling you. I'm giving you an unlimited account, but just get it done and get it done right. And what if he comes back a year later and checks on you, and, you, and, and he says, well, you know, how we're coming. And you say, well, I hadn't got it because, you know, I needed some of these machines and we just didn't have the money to do it. And I was going to uh, I was going to do this, but I didn't have the money to travel like I should. And so I, I did. Is he going to is he going to understand and be understanding with others? he's going to be furious with you because he told you, I don't care. Tell me what you need. Spend, I don't care what you spend. Just get it done. God doesn't care about money. He cares about souls. He cares about people. And while people are, are fussing and arguing about spending 250 a yard extra for carpet, did you hear me? 
about spending the extra 3000 for a certain piano is just a God thinks it's ridiculous. He doesn't care. Buy five of them. He doesn't care. Just reach people. Just get the job done. And I say, well, I, I would if I could, if I had it. But, you know, he just hadn't given me. No, it's up to us. He'll give us all we can believe for. He'll give us all we can claim. All our spirit can embrace. All our faith can reach out and claim. He's ready to do it. Never has he ever told me, Ooh, I don't know, Keith, that's a lot. Never. You know what he has said several times? Is that all? And I've had to say, well, <laughs> I don't know, that's about all I can believe for, I think. No need playing games with him. He knows your heart. He knows where your confidence is at. I know the Lord has been getting us into aviation. And uh, it takes faith to be in aviation. And when we first got in, the Lord dealt with me to learn how to fly. And I began on that. And he dealt with us, believe for an airplane. And as I waited on him, he dealt with me. He said, now, you've been teaching on me being your source. And you, you know a lot. I'm holding you accountable for it. I'm not going to let you borrow anything on this. You just believe. I, I just, I'm not saying it's wrong for other people to borrow, but he told me on that. He said, no, you can't. You just believe me. Well, you know, the enemy will come and think, well, can you do that? Can you have a plane like that? And so we sowed seed. Phyllis and I did. We got in faith about it. And I mean, months passed, and it looked like this ain't working. I mean, I had some of it together, and the Lord dealt with me to give it away. And you think like, man, you never get it like this, you know. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short, you know, the uh, we got the plane. But before I got it, sitting in the hangar paid for, the biggest challenge was not getting it in the hangar door. The biggest challenge was getting it in my spirit. Are you with me? Because I could see... Brother Copeland riding in an airplane and Miss Gloria, but I couldn't see me and Phyllis because it's just me and Phyllis. We're from the country. None of my folks rich. I mean, if we, if, if somebody in the whole clan got a new car, boy, it was a celebration. Most people had old wore out stuff. For me, coming from that, buy an airplane, pay cash for it. My challenge was getting it in here. I tried to get it in and the wings wouldn't fit. They just... And then the tail was too tall. I'd go by and look at airplanes. I'd look in the window, but I couldn't see me in there. I could see, you know, people that had, you know, big corporations in there. I could see uh, movie stars in there. I could see famous race drivers in there. I could see, but, but when I looked, I didn't see Phyllis in the back. I'm talking about in my vision, in my, in my faith. Now, are you listening to me? Do you know why you don't have some things? Because God don't want you to have it? No. Because God can't do it for you? He can't find the money? No. Why? Because you have not been able to see you with it. And, uh, and, and until you can see you in it, see you with it, See it on you. Then it won't happen. This is the challenge. Finally, I got both wings and the tail and the propellers in. And I looked in there and there I was behind the yoke. Looked in the window and that was me. 
I wave back at myself. I looked in the back, and there was Phyllis drinking a Perrier. Hey, Phil. (laughs) And I mean, it was just a matter of months after I got it in there until I flew it home, parked it in the hangar, my hangar. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But then not long after that, well, actually, while we were doing that, the Lord dealt with us, sow seed and believe for a jet. And then I said, Ju, Ju, Ju. Because <laughs> I've had a little experience with airplanes, and I know that just if you, when you pronounce jet correctly, it's expensive. <laughs> when you pull up to the, the FBO, the flight base of operations, you say, fill her up. You said something. You said something. And they got little parts that's this big around and this wide that cost $30,000. And they got lots of parts. <laughs> and you, you start thinking about all that and you think, oh man, oh man. And the Lord said, claim one. What does it matter how much it costs if you're not paying for it? Did you hear that? What does it matter? I've had people find fault with some things that I have. They don't know. I paid less for that than they did their thing. That's, you know, way down the ladder from that. I've heard people get upset about, you know, certain watches or rings or cars or this or that. And they don't know that I paid less for that than they did for their economy model. Because I paid nothing for it. If it was given to me. Now, why would somebody find fault? If you sow seed and stand and believe God and He just does it for you, why the folk want to gripe and holler? You know why? Because they'd like to have one themselves, but they ain't got faith for it. And so they want to make excuse that, you know, they're not supposed to have it and believe anything except I could have it if I'd get after it. People don't, you know, if you believe that, well, it just comes right back, boom, here. And I just need to stir up and get with the program. Well, oh man, my challenge was getting that jet in here. Well, if that little one wouldn't fit, this one wouldn't about to fit. I mean, the tail was way too tall. The wings were way, I mean, it wouldn't even start to get in. I'd go to try, oh man, I can't. I'd look in there and I'm not in there. I'm not even around it. I don't need, not even outside. Phyllis is not in the back. We're in the car outside the fence looking at him. But you don't give up. I said you don't give up. You let God work on you. Hang around people that's got more vision than you do. I go down to Brother Copeland's and I sit in his airplane and make noises. (laughs) (laughs) Hanger flying, they call it. (laughs) And I'd make him tell me. I said, now tell me again. The Lord will do this for me too. He said, that's right. He'll do it for you too. I'd say, tell me again. <laughs> so we sowed seed. Everybody say sowed seed. Sowed seed. Sowed seed. 
Other people, I mean, you were getting a plan. We sowed seed to that. Sowed seed. But, you know, it's not just sowing seed. Now, are you getting this? It's not just sowing seed and it's not just all up to God. The biggest challenge I've had is getting it in me. Getting, conceiving it. Getting the vision inside my spirit until I can see me with it. I can see me in it. I can see me doing it. That doesn't always happen overnight. You've got to stay on it. Hang around people that believe like that. Hang around people that's got bigger vision than you do. And, and, and just be around it and look at it and hear about it and talk about it. And, and tell, you all the, tell yourself, God can do this. This is not too big for God. God, God can do this. And eventually, I got one wing in. Then I got, then, then I begin to get the other wing in. And, and then I mean, it was even harder for me to look in the cockpit and see me driving it. Because I hadn't been flying just a little short while. And I'd look in there and I just could not find myself anywhere in that airplane. Eventually I said, God, it's a big God. He can do anything. Yes, Lord, all things are possible to you. All things are possible to him that believes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. You can do it. It's not too hard. It's not too big. In fact, it's small for you. It's a small, it's a small thing in your eyes. Month after month, we stayed on that. And eventually, one day, some people called us. They said, we'd like to have a lunch with you today. And Phyllis decided, and I said, okay. So we went over, we ate a nice meal, we were talking to them about some things. And they said, the Lord's been dealing with us for several months now to give you a jet airplane. We said, yeah. We said, sure. <laughs> give you <laughs> a jet airplane. And so now, for some years, we've been flying it all around. We flew it up here. And then after I got it, you know, the devil said, well, now you're in a mess. How are you going to afford this thing? And then they came and handed me some bills that I almost had to back up and go, whew, glory. That's not too big. God can do that too. And God has just moved every time we needed something. It was there. And I can see me in it. Amen. God wants to put you in a house. He wants to put you in vehicles. He, he wants to put you in a place where you write big checks in the offering. Amen. Zero, zero, zero on the left side of the decimal. But it'll never happen until you can see you giving a thousand dollar check. You can see you giving a $10,000 check. You can see you writing a $100,000 check. You can see you writing a million dollar check and signing your name and the money's in the bank and you just give it. We begin to do that with the people that we're partners with in the ministries. You know, be faithful partners to the people that helped you get started. Remember those that helped you begin in the faith. Never forget them. And, and we, we begin sowing, you know, 25 a month. And then we said, all right, by the end of the year, we're going to double it. 50 a month. And then we said, we're going we're gonna to double that, you know, 100 a month. As, as the years go by, it doesn't all happen overnight. But as the years went by, 250, 500, 1,000 a month. And then when we started, it was tough to believe God for that 5 and that 10 and that 25. But you start where you are. But as you give bigger, then it's easier for you to see bigger amounts coming back to you. Amen. Your giving faith and receiving faith are interconnected. That's why sometimes God will deal with you to do a big thing. Because if you, if you realize I could give it, then you realize somebody else could give it to me. I, it happened. I did it. 
Somebody else could do it to me. Is that right? And so you, you have things you break through. But you get it inside your spirit first. Can you say amen? And he's going to lead you to go and look at some things that just seem outlandish. But just, just keep your mouth shut and act like you got good sense. And just look at it. I mean, the Lord had us look at houses that were so far out beyond what we could have done. But within a few short months, we got it in our spirit. And he did it for us. Yeah, it's another testimony. I might tell you sometime, but just amazing what he did to get us in the house that we're in now. But you don't have to know how you could get it. You don't have to know where it, could, where it would come from. You don't even have to know or care how much it costs. Just claim one. I said, just claim one. Just be bold and step out in faith. Now, be willing to stand. If you don't see it in a week or two or a month or two or a year, be willing to stand. And just keep expecting and just keep believing. Amen. We've believed, we've had people give us cars like that, brand new automobiles. Give them to us. We say, well, that don't happen for me. It never happened for me. Well, you know why now? you got to see it happening for you. Amen. Clothes, all manner of, of wonderful things. But first of all, you get to the place where you, you can see it. I can see me in it. Sometimes I'll put a picture of something up and just keep it in front of me, you know. I keep, I keep looking at it. I keep seeing, I, I got another airplane now that I'm looking at. I keep in front of me, you know. And this one I can go all over the world in. Preach everywhere. I believe that God would have us to where you could go anywhere, anytime. He wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, son, I want you to be in China in the morning. Got something for you to do. I can say, yes, sir. Fuel her up. <laughs> We're gone. How many understand the days are short? These are the last days. Things are happening. The Lord is coming. And we, if, if we stand before him and say, well, now, Lord, you know, I would have done more. But I just didn't have the money. And we would have done more, but our building was too small. And we would have done more, but we didn't have the equipment. And, and we would have had more meetings, but we spent all that time waiting at the terminal. And, and, and we would have done this and we would have done that. Is he going to say, yeah, I know it. I wish you'd have had more stuff. But we were just short ourselves. And uh, I did the best I could for you. Because, of course, it was up to me. No, he's going to say, I told you. <laughs> I don't care what it cost. Claim anything. Claim five of them. Reach out. Think big. So big. Lay hold of your spirit and watch what I can do. Watch me bring it to pass. Watch me do it for you. Amen? You're not limited to your job. You're not limited to your investments. You don't have to see how you can do it. Just claim one. I said, just claim one. And thank God for it. And thank God for it. And stand and watch His wonderful ways of provision. He'll bring things to pass. You never thought it would have come to pass that way. But it will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is in your power. What is the limiting factor? What determines what kind of house you can live in? Is it your annual income? Is it your salary? Most people it is. They think so. 
What determines how much you can give to the church and how much you can give to mission outreach is what determines that? What determines what kind of buildings you can have and what kind of facilities you can have? What determines that? Well, it's the size of our congregation. Wrong. I've had people tell me, well, you're, I've had people, you know, concerned about me. Well, Brother Keith, your ministry is not big enough to do the things that you're doing. Well, you came too late to tell me that. <laughs> too late. Your ministry's not big enough to operate a jet. Really? I'm doing it. Your ministry's not big enough to give that much money to other ministries. Really? I'm doing it. It's like coming to a guy in the, in the pool doing the backstroke saying, ain't no, ain't no water in there. I'm wet. I'm wet. I can do, we can do anything we believe we can do. We can have anything we believe we can have. God is not limited. And if we'll not limit ourselves, if we'll take what we have and get it, if we have to stretch and reach and believe and pray in tongues and look at it again and say again, eventually you'll get it in there. You'll get that house, all five stories of it. (laughs) Whatever it might be, you'll get it in there. And when it's in here, it's just a matter of time till it's out here. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is telling you tonight, you can have anything you can believe for. Anything you can believe for. Anything. 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 Nothing's too big. Nothing's too far out of your reach. Nothing. Nothing. He has put it in your power. He's put it within your reach. All things are possible to him that believes. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.